Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are here, whether you're joining us online or you're in the courtyard or you're right here uh, in the room. And we're so grateful to have you. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, today, we're finishing up a series that we started a few weeks back called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's been uh, one of the most impactful series in our church. I've had so many of you message me and say uh, how powerful uh, God's been speaking to you and the different topics we've been talking through. We, I was with a bunch of guys this weekend and just hearing over and over about how, hey man, I need to pre-frame this or I need to reframe this situation in my life and look at it differently, and, uh, which is what we talked about last week. So man, if you missed any of the, the messages over the last uh, few weeks, and I would encourage you to go to frontrange.org and watch those messages because uh, this series has been really, really impactful for so many people. Today, uh, we're going to uh, finish it out with, uh, I think, a really strong uh, finish and something we all deal with. But let's kind of recap first. What do we know? We know that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. So it's already been won or lost up here. We know that it's almost impossible to have a positive life with a negative mindset. Almost impossible to have a, a positive life with a negative mindset. And today, uh, we're going to talk about a, an area I think we all struggle with. And I've titled this message, The Amygdala Hijack. Uh, before we get going, let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for bringing us here. I thank you for what you've already done in the previous service, what you're going to do in this service, and what you're going to do in the lives of people who watch throughout the week. And Father, we just pray you would show up in a really, really powerful way. God, I also, I want to take a moment and just pray for those people in Louisiana right now. God, we pray that you would protect them, that you would provide for them. I pray, Father, that, um, God, God, you would just show up. I thank you for the generosity of this church, God, that we're uh, able to be able to partner with organizations who are already on the ground, who have water and food ready to go and to meet the needs of people. And so, God, we just pray you would show up in that situation and protect those individuals. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now I wonder how many of you are like me where uh, your mind can kind of race. You start with like one topic or one idea and you very quickly can get like really far off topic. Like where you have these like runaway fears, these, these hijacked thoughts in your lives where, let me just give you an illustration. Say like you're a student or you've been a student before, and you think, man, I gotta, I gotta study for this test because if I don't study for this test, I'm not gonna make good grades. And if I don't make good grades, I won't get into a good college. If I don't get into a good college, then I won't get a good job. If I don't get a good job, I won't get a good looking wife. If I don't have a good looking wife, my kids will be ugly. If my kids are ugly, they're gonna marry somebody who, you know, that, that they're not gonna, maybe they'll never get married. Then they're gonna live in my basement forever. All right, it might be a little bit exaggerated, but have you ever been down that path? Right, where like you can, you can be totally fine. You're like, you know what, I'm going to read some of the news. And then you find yourself afterwards just angry and fearful and upset. And, and it just changed. And you start going down this path. Or you, maybe you look at your marriage. And maybe there's some struggles right now in your marriage. And you're like, man, if we can't resolve this, we won't be able to resolve this. And then 15 years from now, I'm going to be 15 marriages later. And my kids are going to hate me. And you just go down this path where your thoughts begin to run away, your fears begin to run away from you. That can happen within your job. It can happen within your finances, your health, within the, the situation with your kids, where we start with one situation and we end up really far off track. You ever been there? If you have, it's called an amygdala hijack. 
Now the amygdala, most of us kind of know what that is. And when the amygdala hijack happens, here's the challenge. It produces fear. It produces worry. That when your mind goes from one thing and starts to run away from you, you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night. You ever done that before? And you have one thought and all you can do is think about that one thought and you start thinking about all the issues and all the possibilities. And then two, three hours later, like, man, I'm still awake. I can't get sleep. What is going on? When the amygdala hijack happens, you find yourself with greater anxiety, greater worry, greater fear in your life. All of us have been there. The amygdala, we, we understand that part of the brain, right? It's the, the fight, flight, or freeze part of your brain. And it's really good in certain situations. Like one day, my, my daughter and I, we walked out into the backyard and there was a snake. Now my daughter, I don't know if she has an amygdala. She runs over to the snake and picks it up. Me, I'm like, ah. And I know some of you dudes are like, that's not very manly, whatever. Uh, and, or like the one time we were camping and a bear came right up to our tent. It was right behind my, my wife's head and my kids are asleep. She's looking at me like, what are you going to do, my, my brave man? And I was like, ah, 911. I called 911 on a bear. I did. I didn't know what else to do. I was frozen. And the amygdala, when it, when, when it enacts itself, you either you freeze or you fight or you flight. It's one of the three, and, and it's good in certain situations, but the problem is, is it has no logic. There's no logic that happens with the amygdala. That happens in your prefrontal cortex, the, the place where you actually begin to rationalize things. And so that, say you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear a noise. Instead of thinking, man, somebody's breaking into my house, they're going to slaughter all my family members, and it's going to be a terrible situation, you think maybe... That's my dog going to get something to eat. Or that's my dog doing something. What, like you begin to rationalize things. Well, the problem is, is when we allow the amygdala to control most of our lives, we live our lives in fear. We live our lives in worry. Because the what ifs are always negative. Where we go in the, in, in the conversation with our brain is always the negative. It's always the what ifs are terrible. And this bad thing's going to happen to us. And we live our lives stressed and in fear. So today, the question that we're going to try to answer is, how do you calm an anxious mind? How do you calm a mind that is, has been run away for so long in a particular situation or many situations? How do you calm a mind where you go, man, I deal with worry, Ernest. I struggle with worry. I struggle with the what ifs. I, I take this one thing and I just, I, I, my thoughts just go crazy. And I end up in this situation where I don't want to be. How do you calm an anxious mind? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is in the New, New Testament. It's written by a guy named Paul. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be on the screen. If you need a Bible, download the Bible app. Uh, it's a phenomenal resource. Uh, we can also give you a, a, a hard copy of a Bible, but uh, the Bible app is a great resource for Bible reading plans and all kinds of things to be able to follow along here as well. Philippians 4 is written by a guy named Paul. Uh, Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, uh, and when he writes this letter, he's sitting in prison waiting to be executed. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never sat in prison waiting to be executed. If you have, I don't know where your thoughts went. But if sitting in prison waiting to be executed. I'm thinking, man, what's going to happen with my wife? She's going to have to work like 14 jobs. She does that. She's not going to be around the kids. The kids are going to go crazy. They're going to be terrible. And then they're going to be sitting in prison waiting to be executed one day. Like that's kind of where my thoughts would eventually go. But Paul, he's got just a crazy amount of peace, like an unbelievable amount. Like it's hard to believe where he's sitting. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter four, starting in verse six. He says, do not be anxious about anything, say anything. anything. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about your marriage. Don't worry about your job situation. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, go to God. In every situation, present that area of your life to God. And then what will happen if you do that? Verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if somehow you're able to not worry about anything, but you're able to take that area of your life and present it to God, then it says the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I think in our culture, we seek understanding for everything, right? Like I'm always asking why. Why did this happen? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? We ask that about certain tragedies we experience. People have been asking that about the pandemic. I've gotten more emails and text messages for, about articles and podcasts and all this, about like we are in the end times. Like not just we're in the end times, and I believe that that's probably true, but people are like, we got a year left. By March of 2022, we're all gone. And I'm like, bro, I don't know how you know that. But because Jesus said, nobody knows that. And yet what we're doing is we're trying to explain away. Like maybe because of all these things that are happening, maybe this is why, because we want understanding. And yet Paul here says the peace of God surpasses understanding. So the question I have to ask is, do I seek God's peace more than I seek my own understanding? Do I seek after the why and why is this happening and why is my son this way and why is this going on in my life and why is this happening in my marriage and why do I seek that or do I seek God's peace more? Verse 8, we read this verse a few weeks back. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about those things. And that word think means to meditate. So to dwell upon all good things. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me. Again, this is Paul speaking. Put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, think about that. Paul's saying, I'm the example of peace. I'm the example of someone that is living in peace. Just follow my example. He is in prison. He's waiting to be executed, and he somehow can say, follow my example. Follow me because I'm living in peace. It sounds amazing to be able to have that peace, but how do I get it? Like, how do I truly have peace in my life? Well, the first thing is you do what you can do. You do what only I can do. What can I do? I start with prayer. I start with prayer. I know some of you are like, well, of course, pastor. That's what you're going to talk about. Start with prayer. I mean, I think most people in the United States, statistically speaking, say that they believe in prayer or that they have prayed at some point in their life. But even though the stats say that most people agree with the idea of presenting a request to a higher being, I would say that we have minimized prayer in our culture. And in so many ways, we have minimized the power of prayer. We've said something like, uh, well, I, I can't do anything else. I guess all I can do left now is pray. Like prayer's this last resort. It's like the last weapon that we have instead of it being the first thing that we do. Or people say, it's past time for prayer. We've got to act. And I agree, we have to do things. We have to actually walk in faith and be a part of change and all of that. But to say we're past the time of prayer is to minimize prayer. In our culture, we have minimized prayer 
so often, and we can't do that. Like if we want the, the move of God in our lives and the move of God in our world, we cannot minimize prayer. Why? Because prayer moves the heart of God. Even this passage says, present your request to God and the peace of God will fill you. And so when you present your request, it does something. It moves God in some way to then give us his peace. Prayer moves the heart of God. Not only does it move the heart of God, but it changes, changes the chemistry of your brain. Prayer actually changes the chemistry of your brain. Now, neurologists for years believed that the brain didn't change after adolescence. How many of you are grateful that you no longer have your 17-year-old mind? Like, I wish I had my 17-year-old body, but my 17-year-old mind, no way. I got, neurologists now understand that the brain is always changing. That there are many things that impact the brain and change the brain. And one of those things that impacts the brain is faith. In fact, there's an entire study to how faith impacts the brain. It's called neurotheology. And it's about how your faith and what you believe and the way you respond and interact with God, how it actually changes your brain. And one of the leading uh, um, uh, scientists in this field, she says this, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan, that just 12 minutes of prayer a day can literally change your brain. It transforms you, begins to change you. And so why do we minimize it? I mean, why do we minimize something that moves God's heart and actually changes who we are, changes how we look at things and how we respond to things? Why do we minimize something that is so powerful? I do it all the time. I mean, I start to, to think about something in my life and I start to worry about something. Say, say this water bottle or something that I'm thinking about that, that I worry about, my kids or my finances or whatever. Pick whatever it is and say, this is it. And I go, hey, God, I'm going to give this over to you. I trust you. You're going to move in this situation. So I need you to move. Okay, you're not moving fast enough. So now let me take it back. And I'm going to control my situation. I'm going to do what I can do in this situation to fix my kids' issues or to fix my finances or whatever. And this is what we, ha- this is what we all do. I mean, maybe you're just super spiritual and you don't ever do that. But for most of us, we go, God, we need you to do something and I trust you. Okay, that's time. That's, that's too, too long. I need to take it back. And when we do that, what happens is we, we elevate our worries and we minimize our God. We begin to make our worries bigger. Like, oh, it's so big. Oh, it's, it's, it's too big for God to do anything. And our God becomes so small. And we've got to reverse course. Our God has to become bigger and our worries have to become smaller. Because when our God is so big, when our God is so powerful, and we realize that he sits on the throne, that he has all things in his hands, that he controls all things, that our God is faithful and he's good, he's loving, and he's just. And when God is at his right place in our lives, our our worries and everything we're going through are so small. Because my God is so big, I can trust him. I'm going to be okay. This situation is going to be okay because my God is big and my worries are small. So what do we do? We start with prayer. What can I do to to find peace and to bring calm to an anxious mind? I do what I can do. What can I do? I start with prayer. Second thing I can do is I get in community. I get in community. We talk about community all the time here, all the time. 
talk about community groups and how community changes you. It's, there's no surprise to me that people are dealing more with anxiety and worry and depression and all of that since COVID happened. Because when COVID happened, we all separated from one another. We all pulled back from one another. And so many people are struggling to re-engage community. And when you're isolated, you're alone, man, the worries go crazy, the thoughts go crazy, and the fears are escalated. We need community. I just had the privilege of uh, uh, being at our men's retreat this past weekend, and man, it was, it was incredible. We had a bunch of guys there, and uh, we shot a lot of guns. We ate good food. We ziplined. We repelled down a 200-foot cliff. I mean, it was awesome, like all the things a guy wants to do. And yet what I heard over and over and over from the men that went was, Ernest, I needed this. I needed it because I needed community. Like one guy told me, and I, I didn't realize like other people were going through the same things that I was going through. It made me not feel alone. It made me not feel like I was just on this island by myself. And that's what community does. When you find people, you get people around you and you begin to share, here's what I'm dealing with, here's what I'm going, here's some of my fears and my thoughts and all of that. People are like, me too. Oh, seriously? I'm not alone. How did you deal with that? Here's what I did. Oh man, let me learn from you. And that's what community does. And so we push community around here a lot. In fact, today is our community group fair. That's why there's inflatables for your kids and donuts and whatever. To like keep your kids distracted a little bit so you can walk around and talk to the different community groups and the classes that are going on. We have groups for women. We have groups for men. We have groups for couples. We have young adult groups. We, we have student groups. We have classes. Uh, my wife and I, we're going to teach uh, with another couple a class on marriage. And so if you're like, man, my marriage is struggling, or if you're like, man, I'd just like for my marriage to be just even greater, uh, then come check it out. My wife had the brilliant idea of calling it Pillow Talk, uh, so that should be fun. Um, but it's going to be awesome. Like we have, uh, Eric just talked about on the, on the video, Financial Peace University. If you're like, man, I would love to have peace in my finances, take the class. It will help you in that process. So we have all kinds of things for you to explore and to look at. Please take time today to engage, to be intentional with, man, where can I grow Where can I find community and how can I find peace in my life? So what can I do? I can pray, I can get in community, and lastly, I can get counseling. We talk about counseling all the time as well. I always say that everybody needs counseling. It's either going to be proactive or reactive. Usually counseling starts reactively, like something has happened, we're having a bad marriage or whatever, so we need to go talk to somebody. But if you can get it to that place where it's proactive, you'll find yourself really in in a healthier spot in your life. If you need any resources, you need to know like where we send people for counseling or, or books or podcasts or whatever that we have, if you just want to type the, uh, or text the word resources to the number on the screen. If you text that word resources to the number on the screen, you're going to get a website, and then that website has a ton of resources. So if you're dealing with finances, here's some resources. If you're dealing with, you need counseling, here's some resources. Whatever it is, if you need any resources in your life right now, uh, we want to send you this. So just text text resources uh, to the number on the screen. Here's what I know. I know that you can do all these things and still not find peace. I know there's some of you in this room who are listening and going, Ernest, I pray. I'm in a community, and I go to counseling, and I still deal with an anxious mind. So what do I do now? Like, am I just not a good enough Christian? Am I wrestling? What, what do I do? 
And so to kind of give us an understanding on not only what I can do, but really what I need to give over to God, I want you to do me a favor and uh, I'm going to invite up uh, Pastor Brandon. Uh, he is our youth pastor and his wife Jackie is way better than him. So do me a favor and welcome up Jackie Yates to the stage. Come on. <laughs> it's true. Everybody knows it's true. You're better. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Well, um, you know, I love this whole idea that we've been talking about in this whole series about this battle in our minds and um, our thoughts and how they can sometimes take over. And, and I love what Pastor Ernest talked about because prayer is a very powerful, powerful tool that we have. And with community and counseling, I know for me personally, those things have really helped me walk through some very, very hard and painful times in my life. And I know that there are some of you in this room who would agree with that statement that prayer and community and counseling have all helped each and every one of us and I want to go back and read the scripture that Pastor Ernest already read in Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 it says and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus and so the Bible talks about two aspects of peace that relate back to God and the first one is a peace um, with God and so this pretty much just describes our relationship through God or our relationship with God through Jesus's death on the cross in Romans 5 1 it reminds us of that truth and the second um, aspect of peace that it talks about is the peace of God and this is what Paul is talking about here. It's a peace that goes beyond our own understanding. It goes beyond our own strengths and our own human abilities. And it's not only just that, but it's also a promise for us that when we take our anxious moments and our circumstances and when we bring them before God, it's a promise that he is going to give us peace in those circumstances and in all of our situations. He's going to give us a peace that's going to guard our hearts and it's going to guard our minds. And it also reminds us that when we've done everything that we can do on our own, then I have to take everything and I have to give to God what I can't do on my own. I have to give to God what I can't do on my own. And, you know, there's been, there's been seasons in our lives where, especially in my life, where, um, you know, there's been the ups and downs, right? Life happens. There's been those dark, dark seasons that we've had to walk, to, to walk through. And, um, you know, during those times, I know that there's been thoughts that have overtaken um, me. You know, they've overtaken everything in my life. And if I'm being honest, this is a battle. Like, this battle of anxious thoughts is one that I've actually had to fight very recently. And truthfully, it's one that I still battle today. Um, in March of 2020, when the world seemed like it just turned upside down and it seemed like it happened just overnight, right, um, we got news that my grandpa became very, very ill. And they ended up having to put him in the hospital and doctors and nurses and our family were telling us that, you know what, this isn't looking good. This is, the, this is it for him. You need to start saying your final goodbyes. And so we prayed. We prayed for healing. We prayed that God would move in his life and heal his body. And you know what? He did end up getting better. He got well enough that they were able to send him home from the hospital and he was able to be with my grandma at home and not in a hospital alone. And um, even though he was home, though, because of uh, COVID and his compromised immune system at the time, we weren't able to be around him in person. 
You know, we had the little drive-bys with the kids where we would wave as we drove by their house, and we did get to take the kids on um, Halloween to go see him, and they got to see him through their glass storm door that they have in their house, but we were never actually able to just physically be around him in those moments. And, you know, months went by, and things seemed to be getting better. Even the doctors started to tell us, he's miraculously healing. This is great. And so it seemed great, you know, like our prayers of healing were being answered, which was awesome. We praised God for that. But then just when we thought he was finally out of the woods, I received the hardest news that I've ever had to receive. On November 12th of 2020, I received the call that my grandfather was gone, that he had died and he wasn't with us anymore. And for me, losing him was more than just losing a grandparent. While that is very, very hard, In that moment when I heard that news, I felt robbed. Not just of my grandfather, but I felt robbed of moments, of memories with him. Because of his poor health, I wasn't able to sit and listen to him in his last few months of life. I wasn't able to hear his stories. I wasn't able to allow him to hold me and feel his big grandpa embrace. Just cover me. In losing my grandfather, I lost the person who had taken a step up in my life. When my own father had decided he didn't want to be a part of my life anymore, my grandfather stepped in. He was there for every volleyball game, every dance recital, every extracurricular activity that I had decided to do in my youth years. And I'm going to be honest, I was not good at any of them. But he showed up to cheer me on and to tell me how great I was and how much he loved me. This is the man who walked me down the aisle, who gave me away at my wedding. The man who was there when my kids were born to love on them, to hold them in his arms, he would look at them and say, you're my precious angels from heaven. He loved my kids and he loved me so well. This is the man who taught me what a godly man was supposed to look like, what a godly father was supposed to look like, what a godly husband was supposed to look like. He set the example for me in my life and Really because of his unconditional love and his prayers for me through some very, very tough teen years, I am here today and I'm able to share my story of faith. I'm able to be this person who I am today because of this man. In losing him, I lost a huge part of my heart. A few months after my grandpa had passed, we lost Brandon's mom very unexpectedly in March of this year and because of circumstances and pandemics and all and timing and everything surrounding both of their deaths, their funerals ended up being a week apart from each other. We had two Saturdays in a row where we had to say our final goodbyes to people who meant the world, to our families and to each of us individually. And guys, the anger, the anxiety, the fear, the confusion that I felt through all of this It overtook me. It began to take my thoughts to an area that, honestly, I didn't want them to go to. I I, I ended up in this dark, dark place that I knew wasn't healthy for me, but I couldn't help it because my thoughts kept taking me there and pulling me closer and closer into this dark place that I knew I didn't want to be. And finally, I just came to a point where I couldn't I couldn't do anything anymore. I couldn't even move because I didn't know what to do because I had done all the things, right? 
I had community who surrounded my family. They loved us so well through this hard season. I did schedule appointments with my counselor, and I sat and I talked with her about the things that were going on, and she did help. She did give me some really great tools that helped me walk through the grief and all the other emotions that I was feeling inside of me. But even through it all, there was still something more. There was still something missing in my life. And that's when I finally had to come to the point where I had to see that I had done everything I could do. That was the moment that I had to start giving back to God, giving to God what I couldn't do on my own. My heart was still anxious, I was still in pain, and I was still walking through grief. But in all of it, I knew that it was only going to be God who was going to give me the true peace that I needed to continue forward. So I came to God. I remember the moment I came to God on my knees crying, saying, God, I need you to move. I need you to do something in my life. And, and let's be honest, when I came to God, it wasn't like this big secret I let him in on, right? He already knew my emotional state. He already knew my mental state. He already knew what I needed. So coming to him wasn't a shock or a surprise to him. Coming to him was simply me acknowledging that I am weak but I know, God, that you are strong. I know, God, that you are greater. In coming to him, I was acknowledging my need for him, for his peace, not my own peace, which is based on human understanding. I needed his peace. And when I came to him, he did bring peace. He brought peace to my anxiety. He brought peace to my fear. He even brought peace to the anger that Honestly, my anger was towards him. Why would he do this to me? But even in that, he brought peace to that as well when I brought it to him. And maybe some of you are experiencing some of that right now. Or maybe you've walked through that before, right? Any one of those emotions. In the end, my circumstances, they didn't overcome me, not because I'm some special person or because I said some special prayer with some magic words that automatically made things go away. Ultimately, my circumstances didn't overcome me because I brought them to the feet of Jesus. I brought them before God and said, I need you. I need your peace, God. And guys, there was no begging, no bartering or trying to cut a deal with God. All I had to do was ask. Because the reality is, God's peace is already offered to each and every one of us as a gift. We just have to be bold enough and have faith to know that he's going to move in our lives when we come to him. We have to be willing to receive that peace in our lives. And when we take our problems, our circumstances, and we take them back to God, we begin to shift our focus from my circumstances over here that aren't fun right now and they're just a mess. And we shift them, we shift our focus back to God. Back to his power, his authority, his victory that is already won for us. It's not a battle that we have to fight anymore. It's a victory that's already been won for us. We just have to be willing to receive it and take it and come to him, knowing that it's already there for us. And in the end, my circumstances, they didn't change, right? My pain was still there. My anger was still there. The loved ones that I had lost, they were still gone. This didn't bring them back. 
But in the end, I was able to walk through the loss of these loved ones because of God's hope and God's peace in my life. But it's not a one-time deal. This wasn't a one-time prayer that everything was fine again and I didn't have to go back to it. This is a daily choice. This is a daily act on my part, on our parts, to continue to seek after God, to continue to stay connected to him through his word, allowing the words that were written here to wash over us and speak into our hearts, to penetrate those areas that we're just broken and hurting, to take that time to be silent with God or maybe just pray with God. Thank him maybe for the things that he's doing, but also let him know what's going on and allow him, allow his presence to come into the brokenness, allow him into the process that we're walking through. Every day is a choice. It's a choice to allow our circumstances to overtake us, to dictate and control everything that we do, or we can allow God into the process and we can allow him to overcome our circumstances and bring us true healing and true wholeness. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift of peace, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. It all comes down to trusting God, trusting God to be faithful, that he is faithful to do the things that he's already promised he was going to do for us. But it's coming back to him and, and trusting that he is a good God, a good daddy, that he's going to watch over us and give us all that we need. When we give God what we can't do, he in turn gives us the strength that we need to continue on. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much. God, I thank you for your love for each and every one of us. God, I thank you for the free gift of love and peace and hope all of your goodness, God, that you are a good, good father, God. God, I thank you that no matter what we walk through in our lives, no matter what circumstances come our way, that there is nothing, God, no anxiety, no fear, no um, anger, God, that is out of your reach, God, that is out of your power and authority, God. God, I thank you that you are bigger than anything that we go through in our lives, we pray right now, God, that if anyone is going through any situation in this room, God, they're going through a circumstance where they just, they can't do it anymore, God, that they just feel broken and hopeless, or maybe there's thoughts that are controlling our minds right now, God, that are taking us to a dark place that we know we don't want to be in, God, that you would move in our lives, God, that you would, you would bring your peace and your hope and your love, God, into our lives right now, Jesus. And we thank you. God, we love you and praise you in your name. Amen.